Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We have two very special guests, my heroes. They laugh. But it's true. I was actually supposed to be in Maine today, but when I got these two ladies to come into the studio, I said to my husband, I'm staying here. Joining me in studio is Mary Moulton, the Executive Director of Washington County Mental Health Services, and Sue Minter, Executive Director, Capstone Community Action. And you may need the number to call in here to the studio today because they've got lots of information for you, 244 244- one seven seven seven. We're going to be talking about the impact of flooding on their clients and what we can do to help. Um, and they haven't actually stopped talking since they got in here. So I'm just maybe turn the mic right over and let them let them go because there's so much. First, I want to ask: uh, Are you two okay? Your homes? Not so. Uh, this is Sue Minter. Thank you so much, Pat and WDEV, for having us on and for being such an important source of local news and information. Um, I have the privilege of saying my house, my home, my family, my extended family are safe and dry. Our offices in Barrie were flooded uh, and closed, sadly. Um, we were able to open our food shelf earlier this week, so our food shelf right. in Gable Place is open, and the public will be uh, available to uh, come to have help from us directly starting tomorrow, Friday, and all through and beyond. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Thanks so much for having us. It's so important uh, to pass on our messages and just thank WDEV again for getting the word out. Um, so, yes, at Washington County Mental Health, as you know, we serve so many people through uh, supports in homes and group homes. So while my home is dry, and I'm very grateful for that, through although the basement was wet and um, I was down there six times a day running back and forth between the office and home, but it's drying out. And I literally, I think I danced the other night downstairs last night because it was drying out. I w- it, the excitement over that, um, as well as I think what people feel when they started hearing more raindrops and more raindrops, which we can talk a little bit about and what that effect is on our, on our emotions um, and how that plays on us. Between those two, I just feel elated today yeah. but uh, but at Washington County Mental Health we had five buildings impacted oh. um, and uh, major uh, having you know to muck out basements primarily but we had only two buildings closed we were able to continue operations throughout um, we had people in residential homes during the rains and the rising water who had their go bags ready who uh, we had evacuation plans out and ready in the Montpelier area especially where we had the group homes and uh, we waited it out and we did not have to move people to higher oh, ground, which was our plan. But we have plans for all of our homes, and as you know, I think we have many small and large. And uh, and our largest group home is no more than eight people, um, but uh, several of those spread throughout our counties. We came out feeling fortunate. The love uh, that you have for our imagination station, oh, which is a I sensory was room. Ask you. It got it got flooded. Did so oh. I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that, but. Um, The good news is 
um, we are available uh, on our lines to help people as they call in, and um, we absolutely uh, feel fortunate. Well, I've, I found out that standing in the rain screaming stop didn't work. It was like, stop already. It was incredible. And um, at our home, we just got water, too, so we felt very blessed. Uh, but I've been, you know, you look back, we, your folks, your clients went through COVID. Then um, we had a lot of your people were in the hotel-motel program, which got went through all sorts of confusion. Lots of them were asked to leave. Then they were told, some of them were told they could go back and stay for a while. And the turmoil, and then we get this. And I don't know how you all have dealt about it. Let's, um, let's, I just, I guess we just start. I mean, people's homes, transportation, belongings. How are you dealing? Sue, why don't you start off with, with helping your clients? Yeah, I want to say that even though our offices were closed, our staff have been very, very busy and they've been on the ground in the areas most affected. And uh, Capstone serves uh, three counties. Washington County, Lamoille County, and Orange County, and every one of those have been severely impacted. In Barry City, uh, we've been on the ground. We've been working at the Red Cross Center, helping with uh, the state multi-agency uh, resource center, and serving not only as volunteers. We had five volunteer brigades out, 23 people, including our staff and spouses and board members, um, helping to muck out and um, um, not just muck out, but providing food. Our uh, kitchen, uh, our uh, community kitchen academy is, of course, uh, immediately pivoting to becoming a resource center for fe- people in need. Uh, there's lots of food being uh, brought, food trucks. Uh, we in um, Morrisville have been a distribution center. We've had everything from water to meals uh, to baby formula. And I want to mention the ready-to-go liquid baby formula for our kiddos and families has been key during many, many communities have boil water notices and including no drinking notices. So uh, we've been really trying to serve the most acute, immediate needs of everyone we can, not just our clients, but the whole community. Uh, in Morrisville, we were able to host uh, for three days something called World Center Kitchen, which is sort of a global organization that goes to disaster areas. And we served 150 meals one day, 180 the next. Uh, but we've been a source of support, um, helping people in crisis and the story Stories of despair and loss and grief right. are incredible. So we also um, are there for people. People are coming to us without shoes, without anything, and of course without homes. You know, before the flood, as you mentioned, we were helping people get tents and right. camping supplies and working actually with our communities to help find places that would be safe camping Many of those along riverways, and they were washed out. We've been finding many people coming to our aid, or we've been coming to their aid, but coming to us for help to relocate and working with our shelter providers, uh, with our support teams in our community, like Washington County Mental Health, like Lamoille County Mental Health, um, to be there as a resource. Can I just uh, stop with that? How do they get to you, Sue? I mean, there's no transportation. How how do they find you? How do they get to you? Well, I think people know to call us. So the main thing that we are doing everywhere is we have sort of a hotline, and we have redeployed 
some of our staff to just answer and respond to calls. We screen uh, and then get what people need to the various staff or partner organizations that do that. I will, when we back on, I'm going to come back to you with the phone numbers that I want people to be aware of. But we are also providing transportation. Uh, Pat, this is a new service that Capstone has stood up. It's actually a new nonprofit organization who will be doing a lot more of this, but we're just off the ground, Community Rides Vermont. And we're doing it in electric vehicles because we're thinking (laughs) we need to be climate smart and um, thinking about how we help transition to electric vehicles. But we are having a fleet of electric vehicles, paid drivers, to provide critical rides for people, uh, whether it's getting them uh, to school or, more importantly, to the doctors or to safety. Uh, I'll be back with the number to call for rides uh, in our Barrie area only at this point. We have three cars and three drivers. Um, So that's part of what we're doing. That's great. I'm just thinking because we were out of electricity for 24 hours, and there goes the cell phone. So, like... People don't have a way to contact anybody. It's it's pretty scary. The last thing I'll say in response to that, we've been sending out teams uh, door-to-door in key areas. And right now, today, I have um, teams driving throughout our service area sort of as a scan tour, scouting to see, uh, going to libraries, meeting with public officials, but also touring in areas and neighborhoods we know uh, are where our clients uh, who are often uh, needing our services live. So I will be getting an assessment um, right. of how sort of the more outlying areas, rural areas, often isolated and these are folks who often are the last ones to ask for help, mm-hmm. even though help's available. So we'll be learning more as we go. Wow, you guys are amazing. Mary? I, uh, Pat, as Sue's talking, you know, it just speaks to me of the community that we have. And um, as a group of community providers, Sue has such vital information on the nuts and bolts that people need to get their lives back together if they've lost their homes, if they need to muck out, if they uh, need resources and FEMA uh, and rides. Um, and so we have a community where we work really closely together with the shelters in our area, um, and uh, we bring our resources through a meeting all together so that we in Washington County and extended areas are able to get out to people. Uh, we responded up to the auditorium with a team when that shelter opened right after the flood, and it was amazing how many people came there. And so as we have our own clients who lost housing, we also responded with a team there And uh, like Sue, found people there uh, with the Red Cross opening up with their resources and our team going in, working together, we found that there were uh, people without shoes, people without their prescriptions, people who ran out of their houses without glasses. So our team actually went and got those things for people and donations started to come in after a few days. But what you'll find is if people can get start to get their basic needs met, even in shelter and begin to get back their locus of control over their life by getting the things that they need. It helps to calm the anxiety. It helps to settle um, some of the trauma that is being experienced as they start to put their lives together. Uh, we have Brian from Brookfield on the phone. Brian, thank you for waiting. I appreciate it. Go ahead. 
No, no problem. Thank you, uh, Pat. I I just want to say thank you to Sue Minter uh, for all she does for people. Just incredible person for the thoughts that you have and the things you do. And through Washington County Mental Health and, and anybody else, people don't really think that um, people get bad cases of anxiety. And, and, you know, when you start thinking about people's livelihood, um, it gets scary. I uh, currently live in my car in Brookfield. I was affected by the flood a little bit, but I'm grateful and it gives me hope and thanks to see people like you folks that go out into the community in a time like this and door to door and help people. It's just thank you. And thank you, Pat and WDEV for the stuff you folks do. It's just, I'm, I'm very grateful today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brian. And I hope you're taking advantage of all the services that are out there. Maybe Sue and Mary can make a comment or two. Uh, sure, Brian. Just the fact that you took the time to call in, given your own circumstances, absolutely uh, just touches my heart. And I know Sue's too. We're we're sitting here looking at each other, and I'm thinking back of the people. You know, I'm I'm so glad we didn't have people have to leave the hotels because let me tell you, oh. um, we although we had a group that had to leave, um, we had some that were able to stay, and we had helped move people to camping grounds. And all I could think when the rain started was, oh, my gosh, what if? Mm -hmm. We had all those people out there, hundreds of people. So your words are so appreciated. And, um, you know, it indeed, when we have um, waterfall, when we have floods start, you know, it, it's it's our whole community that feels it. And so, you know, we, we bring the message that, um, when people begin to feel anxious, you know, if they're in Waterbury and they experienced Irene and they were out on Randall Street and the rain's falling, guess what? There's an emotional response to that. There is a heightened, even physical response to that. Our hearts beat a little faster. There is how we behave um, to each other because we're so anxious happens. And all that is normal. And um, what we have is an abnormal situation sometime that we all have to live through. Um, but um, you give us hope, Brian. Oh, and, nice. um, you know, that helps keep us going with your words. So I thank you for that. And um, we are just going to try to keep on helping our communities all around. I also want to say thank you so much for your kind words. And um, it inspires me to keep going. But I really want to pay it forward to the staff of our organizations and many others who we partner with throughout the state. And it is the most beautiful thing, and I felt it and experienced it, and it, it helped me grow as an individual, the Vermont strong spirit that we have in this brave little state. And I see it everywhere I'm going, hundreds and hundreds of volunteers stepping up. People are raising money. We can talk later about the business recovery fund that um, Capstone has helped uh, stand up and we announced yesterday. But what you said is the key. Help is on the way. And I know that we provide literally a lifeline for individuals and families and whole communities because 
we believe in one another and we come together and it isn't about what we, you know, our politics. It's about who we are as individuals, as incredibly strong and loving communities. And I know that there's power in the love we share and uh, we're all here for one another and that's what matters. And we will leave No Vermonter behind. That's the mission. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. You two do so much great work. It's really inspiring. I've always said that about Vermont sometimes, as you know. Sometimes I disagree with the politics. Okay, fine. But when something happens, we are all there. Every one of us is, what do you, what do you need? And that's it. But I was making a list yesterday of the things that you have to provide for these people. Housing, clothing, food, clean water, very important, and transportation, medicine, access to basic bathroom facilities, I mean, and cell service. And this is this is no easy matter. I mean, this is very complicated. How are you all deal? How are you doing this? You already talked, Sue, a little bit about food, but what about everything else? Well, I think there's the immediate response, and, and we start with, really, there's an order of operations. Priority one is health and safety. So we're getting people out of harm's way and into shelters, and that's where the American Red Cross is uh, helping people in this disaster. And I know FEMA is already on the ground trying to get uh, those who are displaced potentially into hotels. I believe they will be talking about bringing potentially manufactured homes to this area, given what we know is so many of our hotels are already filling up. So uh, that's safety and shelter. Food, uh, that is something that is what we do. You know, we are crisis service providers, so it's something we do all the time. And now we're ramping up. We are coordinating uh, with the faith community, which, by the way, uh, global resources are being brought to Vermont through the faith connections. Uh, in Capstone in Barrie, we are serving meals at our um, food shelf. We are ramping back up with we had 52 com- partners through the Vermont Everyone Eats program. Right. All of those partners were distributing meals to folks in need uh, because of COVID. And now we know we need to stand up a similar operation. So we're beginning to do that and think about how do we fund it? And will FEMA fund something like that again? We're working with the state and other partners. That's food, water. Really, the uh, National Guard has been deployed. So at this point, um, people can call for assistance with uh, safe drinking water. Um, and I'm going to just say that the Vermont Emergency Management uh, Agency is really the place that's deploying those resources. But uh, for anyone who needs help now in wherever, we Capstone has a 1-800-639 one zero five three six three nine ten fifty three is our one eight hundred number where we can help you understand what your needs are. The second order of operations is going to be helping to peop- get people back into safe housing, and that is a longer term question. Uh, I know that the community action agencies around the state have already been asked, and Capstone has said, yes, we will do this to help work with FEMA on what they call long-term disaster recovery assistance. And that's really home by home. But I want to just mention Waterbury. Waterbury is a shining example of what can happen locally because all recovery is local. And the faster that uh, organizations, uh, communities can stand up individual assistance operations on their own, 
Rebuild Waterbury was established right after Irene. They raised money. They hired staff. They hired case managers. Uh, they hired volunteer coordinators, and they hired construction managers. And the community of Waterbury is just one of many, but a great example of how the community came together, came up with a strategy, and got over a 100 people back into their homes, rebuilt uh, thoughtfully, and in many cases uh, with flood resilience. Um, every home that was flooded on Randall Street was unfortunately flooded again, but it, with far, far less mm-hmm. dramatic impact. And that's because many things, and we can talk about how uh, – we did rebuilt with resilience, but when we rebuilt the Waterbury State Office Complex, we created far more flooding opportunity for the river. When we rebuilt the Waterbury Main Street, we have super large uh, drains for stormwater. As a result, those homes, instead of being flooded above the first floor to the kitchen counter, they were just down in the basement. And also, as they recovered, they had their... Um, they're uh, electric out of the basement. So uh, our friends on Randall Street are out for five days instead of five months wow, in good. this moment. Good thing we took that opportunity to learn because we really experienced it firsthand, that's for sure. Um, I just, um, I don't know, Mary, I'm going to have to interrupt you in about two minutes to take a break. Okay. But if you want to start, we'll pick up afterwards. I think, uh, you know, so so we're still in the in the immediate phase here. And as I was going through Barrie yesterday, I was looking and seeing, you know, that the streets are cleaned. And, you know, we just can't forget that it's going to be a while ahead. We had, um, for people that we serve uh, who have uh, se- severe mental illness, we we had 25 people lose housing. Oh. And um, so our immediate step was to get them into a place where they could be comfortable. And that means that they are uh, – we, we worked with Downstreet Housing, our partner, to um, to use some housing that we would – that we had open that would have been for long-term housing as transitional space. We've been able to get people into a safe space right now that lost their housing – in those circumstances, um, with the exception of just a few who are at the shelter auditorium. And, you know, the whole idea around getting people into housing, getting people into a, even a, uh, we have some space up in one of our office buildings where we've made, hmm. uh, we, we've put cots and nice. we've made a space for people to get their food, to take care of all of their needs. Um, in order to do that, um, we need quite a workforce. We've done that, and it helps people to not go into crisis, to then not have to go to the hospital, to then not have to go to the emergency room. Right. So our goal right now is to help people to stabilize, and we have done that with this group. And then our second um, phase that we'll turn to, Pat, is actually in the days to come when we hear Good. that. People in our communities are just having crisis because of the well, circumstances. It's so confusing. Things are happening yes. so fast, and, and it's all in chaos. Yeah. We were just talking about something very interesting. As uh, you may have picked up during COVID, I wasn't a fan of the masks. But may I tell you, if you manage to Google what's in the mud that you're mucking around in, you better wear your mask. That's all I'm telling you, because that laundry list of what's in that mud is scarier than anything. And um, I wore my mask the other day when I was helping a friend out. And uh, don't be foolish. It's serious stuff. Not that COVID wasn't serious. I just refused to 
be part of the gang, but that's all right. But anyway, you need to wear your masks. I know you all have them. Get them out and wear them. It is serious. Yeah, this is Sue, and I have some information from the Department of Health regarding mold. Uh, so there's really two uh, concerns. In areas uh, such as Barrie, where there was so much mud that remained behind, in some cases over a foot of heavy, thick mud, and where folks are digging out uh, from mud in their basements and in on their front lawns, uh, there is not just mold potential from interior house, but but toxic um, metals uh, in in the in the mud. So we want people to be wearing their masks when they are volunteering and gloves, masks and gloves. And, boots. and yes, be sure to wear your boots. <laughs> I I now have mud, uh, sorry, mud boots yeah. and gloves uh, and even goggles in some cases. Um, so let's make sure we get back our masks on, even walking through town uh, when there's now, in some cases, silt in the air. Uh, just like COVID, we couldn't see it, uh, but we need we know we're breathing it in. So I agree. Let's get our masks back sure. on. Yep. It, it's just a list. You know, just Google it. You'll just be amazed at what can be in that mud. And as a, as the trucks are rolling through town too, doing the work for sure, uh, they're at, kicking you know, it up. They're kicking it up, and so you think, think back to uh, small villages. I was in Moortown during Tropical Storm Irene, and you could just you could literally see it in the air. And it, and I went through Montpelier and Barry uh, last week, and I said, "Wow." Yeah. All over again. So, and people were just at it, and they didn't. Some of them didn't have masks on, and I, I went. We went around actually as up? mental health responders, and we brought two thousand masks um, as we went through Barry yeah. and just began to hand them out. Because, because I don't hear anybody really talking about that, and and somebody should, whether the health department or somebody, should pick that uh, that flag up and carry it. Because I think this snuck up on us. <laughs> I think this snuck up on us, and there's some things that we forgot. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and then even um, as the rain was falling, I had people calling me saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm having PTSD. I'm remembering. I'm remembering what this was like. It's not happening again. Please right. tell me it's not going to happen again." Right. And you know, I just, I just said, "Just breathe." You know, mm-hmm. we will get through this. And um, you know, I love the rain myself, mm-hmm. but yet when it fell. You know, because this was not one big deluge, it was like a monsoon season yeah, over sure. several days. You you would have a, a fairly clear day, and here comes 10 o'clock at night, and it begins to fall, right? Yeah, right? And so similarly, you know, talking about health and mental health, how you take care of yourself in those moments when you're feeling your anxiety rise, you're worried about what's going to happen in your cellar. You're worried about, oh, then what do I do with the mold? Where do I get this information? Right. We will. This information is out there. And I think because uh, it snuck up on us, it might be taking our cities and towns a little longer to get the organization of resource centers. But they're coming up. They're yeah. at the odd. There's one in Barrie now. Um, and you can go in for a number of resources and get information. And uh, for us, uh, Sue gave out a number. I wanted to give out our number. As we look longer term out, I know the Department of Mental Health has applied for what's called a crisis counseling FEMA grant, and that's going to be one um, in which we will be available throughout the state with different teams, and I don't quite know how they'll roll this out yet, but 
it will be to provide people with psychoeducation. You know, again, mm. you are having a natural reaction when you're feeling these things to an abnormal event. Right. And so remind yourself of that. And then what can we do to help you find your coping strategies through those moments? So is it putting on some music? Is it remembering that... You know, you'll have an appointment tomorrow that will get you the information that you need. Or you have a phone number we can give you when we're helping you to reach out to get that information. And it might be practical information like call 211 and get the numbers that you need in order to sign up for FEMA help. Those are the types of bits of info and steps you can take to build an action plan actually help lower your anxiety. Um, And then for those that have lost their housing, that's a bigger step. And that's a longer term piece. And we want to be there for those folks too. Um, That's going to take longer. And um, we recognize that. But people get through it then becomes part of our story. Of our Here, life. Can you give us that number? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I just um, want to write our, it down. Our, we have one emergency number, and that is 802-229-0591. And there you access a 24-7 line mm-hmm. with emergency team that can give supports. But we will have set up, as the days unroll, uh, as, as the days roll along here, the... Um, a separate team that will do crisis counseling. And we did that last time, and it just helps people get through. Four or five times. You need to talk to somebody for sure. Sure. Because Sue Midner has had a little experience going through uh, um, Tropical Storm Irene. I remember driving down to Rutland, and the whole place was all gray. I mean, just covered like you were talking about the coating, which you have to be careful about. Um, we have Stephen from Heinsberg on the air. Thanks for holding on, Stephen. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we have uh, several packages of masks that have never been opened or used. Uh, how can we donate those? And you're right in Heinsberg? Yes. I think uh, what you could do is if you – I know in our area here in Barrie um, or down in Johnson and in Jeffersonville, there are volunteers. It's a beehive of activity wherever you go, and <clears throat> there will be a volunteer center. In Barrie City, if you go to the Main Street at the Rainbow um, – Community, Wainbro Bridge, uh, they are out with a tent and they are giving people what they need. So that would be a very easy, quick stop in the center of Main Street, Barrie. But I suspect if you go to Richmond, closer right. to home, um, where you are, you will find the same thing. There will be people set up with centers and or bring it to the town or a, a local business and they'll be giving them out. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, offering. I'll be very grateful, Stephen. Thank you very much for calling in. Um, so um, I just I guess I just want to know um, there's such so many things like medicine. Um, I mean, I always felt with the kids leaving the the um, hotel rooms, they needed the kids and, and adults need uh, need refrigeration for their medicine. And I mean, there's just so many details that you don't think about. Um, that's important. If the insulin's not not refrigerated, Correct. it's no use. 
I was at the uh, Red Cross Center up at the Berry Auditorium, and there are doctors there. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a pet shelter there, and there's a veterinarian there a volunteering. Uh, so I think that people who have medical needs, at least in the Berry area and the surrounding area, may be able to find help right. there, uh, as well as at urgent care centers. And for oh, those that answer. are staying there, I think, you know, in the first couple of days, it took time to get that organized, but there there are folks like us that are going through, even with mental health, that might be talking to an elder person that had to leave their home quickly um, and didn't get to bring a script that, that they right. might have just had right. their doctor order. And so some assistance would be given right there with the phone uh, through either the Red Cross volunteers that are there or through us as we do rounds mm-hmm. or others that are helpers to just help them call the doctors, get this straightened right. out. And as Sue said, there are now um, doctors visiting through. So. And I'm sure the... Um, uh the pharmacies are bending over backwards to help people. I'm sure they are. They are, and we had some very good communication in-house at Washington County because some pharmacies was, uh, went offline um, and uh, due to due to the flooding. So um, we, you know, were receiving information on where to go. Right. Um, there, there was so much communication, yeah. and communication is the key, and organizing communication is the key. So for our organization, which is a large one, we, we, we set up an incident command system uh-huh. so that we could organize that throughout our agency. Even on the day of the flood, we had people that were going on 48 hours holding shifts in residentials, and we were able to get together, share routes that were open that people thought might have been closed so that people could get in. We had a nurse that was um, in a boat bringing medicine <laughs> out God. to someone in the oh community. Uh, this delightful lad that was from Montpelier High School. Um, I call this this fellow out. His name is Cadence. And Cadence, if you or one of your loved ones is listening, thank you, thank you. You were, I think, in a kayak. And our director of nursing uh, needed a ride. She said he was a lovely gondolier. <laughs> and she got her he into Montpelier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was he was a so hero. When you've had this, I mean, when we haven't had these, thank God, too often. But do a lot of counselors come in uh, to volunteer to help because... I can't yeah. imagine you have that many counselors on staff to handle this amount of people that need or that Correct, are in because they already have people that they're seeing. Right. So, you know, we'll go out to Plainfield Monday night to assist with a community forum, and those counselors we have right. will come along um, and give their time to that. And mm-hmm. so we'll be able to we'll, – we do – our counselors do volunteerism like that, and uh, we'll do that for a bit. But there are others that volunteer. Red Cross has their own counselors as well. And, again, as they get more organized, we see more of those come in, which is just terrific. That's great. So. I, know, I don't know if one, either of you know what happened to, um, to uh, the Good Shepherd um, d- down on Route 302. Um, the, the Good the, Samaritan the Haven. Samaritan. Yeah, the Welcome Center. Yes, yes, indeed. Did they um, get hit? Because I know they lost their transportation. They went to the odd, but they're back. They're back. Uh, are they? Oh, that's yeah. good. Because yes. I, I ride by there all the time, and he, Rick has done such an amazing job. Yeah. There. Rick DeAngelis, is, yeah. uh, he had some, uh, and you mentioned, uh, as they were transporting uh, some of their guests up to the Barry Auditorium, 
which who were all able to return safely, right, right. but they did in the process lose a vehicle yeah, in yeah. somewhat of a crisis. And um, I'm not certain. I know they were they were loaned another vehicle. Oh, yeah. um, they may need help raising money to purchase another vehicle. Right, cause he he was on the show talking about what he was doing there, and it's amazing. Well, I I do want to let uh, folks know that. You know, the cavalry is arriving and help is on the way, not only for homeowners who are getting help uh, from digging out if their home, they're getting water, they're getting food. But I want to mention businesses because um, we know that in our downtowns and villages and, and out in the outer areas, many businesses have been just devastated. Uh, Nelson's Hardware, you yeah. know, a mainstay of downtown Barrie, lost over $400,000 of inventory. And businesses have just been getting back after COVID, <clears throat> restaurants and others. So uh, Capstone has supported, uh, helped stood up a fund. We announced it yesterday, a tremendous response. Uh, it's called the Vermont Flood Recovery Fund, uh, excuse me, the Vermont Main Street Flood Recovery Fund. Uh, and you can go there by vtrecovery2023.com. If you go to that site, you can both help raise funds, but most importantly, access funds. Uh, we've received $200,000. We're turning those around uh, by next week um, with donations, uh, sort of uh, supporting with $2,500 cash. We know that FEMA does not actually support businesses. FEMA right now is on the ground for individual assistance for homeowners, and that, that money will come in short and long-term support. For businesses, it's the Small Business Association, but it's in loans and not grants. So we want to make sure that businesses know help is here for them. Uh, We don't want them to give up. Uh, We want them to stay in business, and uh, we're supporting that at vtrecovery2023.com. I know also in Montpelier, Montpelier Alive has joined with another organization to do the same thing. So um, check out Montpelier Alive as well. I know there are several people that I know who were on State Street, Prevent Child Abuse Vermont, Botanical Gardens. They're just So I think what's totally. so important is to support locally. Um, the fund I mentioned is for statewide. So, for example, mm. we're not going to be supporting Montpelier because they have their own fund. Right. So it's more for those areas who don't have that kind of right. local capacity developing. But Please support your local recovery fund. If you want to support businesses, there's a statewide. And, of course, the Vermont Community Foundation has done tremendous fundraising, and we know they are there thinking about all the needs and the long term. I know that WDEV, if you go on the website, they have a laundry list of places to go for resources. They just put that up the other day and asked us to spread the word, so check it out. So many groups that have been raising funds as I was coming in. Uh, I heard what the Do Good Fest ended up raising, for example, over a million dollars. Wow. And so, uh, and I had friends contacting me from out of state saying, how do I give? Because people love Vermont, right? And so, and they love our people. I Um, had, I met a gentleman from the Red Cross and I, he came from Denver. I mean, they, they sent out the word and he came here to help. Yeah. And, um, he was, he came to give her those packs of, of disinfectants and shovels and whatever you needed to clean out your house. They were just riding around Barry giving these things out. 
Yeah, and I was at the Barry Auditorium uh, emptying out trailers, tractor trailers filled with food and uh, cleaning supplies with the Red Cross. So we had a system of volunteers emptying out and putting buckets, large blue bins, with every kind of cleaning supply. So we know those organizations are here. But if you can't be here, if you can't help, if you have the ability, please donate. Right. Uh, many organizations, of course, I'll mention capstonevt.org. <laughs> We're going to be already giving, giving meals, and that's all money that I need to fundraise for. Uh, we delivered meals to a senior center, a, a large 150 meals uh, in, in Chelsea, Vermont, where they didn't have access. And even grocery stores are, are cut off and roads are you know, damaged. So we're trying to get out to the more isolated rural areas. Um, I also just want to say, Pat, to give people a sense, because I so uh, feel triggered uh, with the memories of grief and despair from Tropical Storm Irene. And I was in that battle for three years. And what I want to say to the audience, especially for those who feel there is no hope, that really we are going to recover, that you will have support, uh, volunteers and financial in the long run, and it will take time. But we won't just recover. We're going to recover stronger. Uh, we're doing things that are smarter now. We're going to get electric, uh, get oil tanks out of the basements and electrify right. your home. We're going to help you in the long run and whole communities here in Waterbury. I remember vividly the despair, the loss, the grief, and it was collective. And this place was a ghost town. And I think most people who have been to Waterbury in the last five years has seen an incredible, vibrant, right. thriving community in, blossomed in so many ways. Frankly, it was out of those ashes and that the community came together. They planned. They dreamed. Yes, they applied for grants. And guess what? They received a lot of support over many years to become the strong, vibrant community it is today. And today it isn't looking anything like it did That's after true. Irene because we built back smarter. Yeah. So I want people to know help is on the way. We will recover, and we're going to recover stronger, and we're here for you. Can you give those numbers again, ladies, please? Um, Absolutely. Sue, for for yeah, us, Mary? and just to set, you know, I just want to put that exclamation par, uh, point on resiliency. That's what you're talking about, Sue. And it's our story, and we will come forward resilient. Our number is 802-229-0591 at Washington County Mental Health. Thanks, Mary. It's an emergency line, and it's also a line where we'll hook you into other services. Thank you for all you do, and thank you for telling me about the snoozling room. It will we'll return, get back right? with brighter I love colors. that. Have you ever been there? Not yes. yet. Oh, my gosh, you have to go there. Sensory Listen, uh, Brian, <laughs> I see that you are calling again from Brookfield. I don't think we have time to take your call, sadly, if if there's something I can get back to you on, leave your number uh, at the studio, and I will return your call with the answer. Uh, Sue, you want to give your numbers? Well, out? the Capstone uh, Hotline, 800-639-1053. And I want to say to any homeowner who has been impacted, please, immediately, as quickly as you can, sign up for FEMA. You need to register at disasterassistance.gov. Thank you very much to both you, and thank you and your staff for all the work you are doing. We really appreciate and love you. Thank you all. Stay tuned. Ensign Tibbetts is joining me in the next hour, and we're going to talk about our farmers and what they're facing, which is another whole story, and they need our help just as much. 
This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. And joining me on the phone is Ensign Tebbets, who's the Secretary of the Vermont Agency of Agriculture, Foods, and Markets. Ensign, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be with you all. I hear you are working 24-7, young. Are you not? Well, I don't, I don't know about <laughs> that, but I, I, I think a lot of people are, yeah. considering what the state's going through right now. Uh, you know, central Vermont, up into Lamoille County. Just There's pockets everywhere in southern Vermont, but... Uh, it was a doozy, and uh, now it's uh, everyone's focused on trying to, you know, clean up, uh, dry out, um, get rid of all the debris, and also think about the future and how uh, to get through the next few weeks and months. Well, I first of all hope that uh, the ag building and all of uh, you and your staff homes are okay, and nobody's dealing hard to deal with um, disasters at home while you're working. So, I hope everybody's okay. I, I think everyone's in, in pretty good shape as far as. Uh, folks at the agency. Our, our building did sustain a little bit of damage, mainly in the basement. Yep. Uh, so so uh, we're not working at uh, 116 State Street right now, but we're all working from uh, our other two locations. We have another location, Randolph, and we have another one, Williston, but uh, folks are working from home or in the field. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, uh, compared to what Montpelier is going through, our damage, uh, not as extensive. It was in the basement, and but most of the key part of it as far as all the electronics looks like they're going to be okay Good. and now it's just drying out and uh, we could be back in maybe next week or the week after that's great because i know a couple of store owners uh, up street from you who just lost everything um yeah there's just, a there's a gone. tremendous amount of damage yeah. along uh, state street and, and and so forth and it uh um you know ours is the if people don't know ours is the brownstone um that's directly across from the supreme court and also sort of kitty corner to the uh, state house a beautiful right. building built in 1916 and a great place to sit for the fourth of july parade just saying um oh yeah that's where yeah. we sit that's that's where my family heads out but anyway we're here because there has been one headline after another about the devastation to our farms and to remember that when they had covid then may's hard freeze which really destroyed a lot and now we have this horrific flood. Um, and I, God bless them, really, because some of the, some of the headlines, flooded fields leave Vermont farmers with major crop loss, millions of dollars in damage, flood damage to Vermont's agricultural section severe. And it goes on and on. I, there was one story after another. Um, how, what, what's, what are you, what is your agency doing to reach out to these folks and give them some hope? Yeah, so 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 the, um, the overview. So there's um, you know a few pockets. Um, let's begin with uh, the, the the produce and people that are uh, providing food at um, whether it's going into the store or wholesale markets or maybe the farmers market and so forth. So uh, it came of course at the worst time. Many of these crops were coming in um, right about now. So for example, we've got a nice uh, produce farm over in Berlin, and they've 
um, and they've been wiped out uh, as you head towards Northfield and out, outside of Montpelier. So they were, you know, they, their crops were just coming in, uh, but all that um, all that food was underwater. So they're cleaning up. Um, they're trying to see if they possibly could plant again and get another crop uh, in place uh, before frost sets in in the fall. So there's a really challenging aspect of that. I was in Johnson as well. There's a farm up there that much the same, a lot of crops damage. But uh, in his particular case, um, he also had uh, significant damage to his uh, tractors. So his Ah. tractors um, were underwater, the electronics. So he's trying to figure out if any of them will be be able to be repaired or fixed. And, um, you know, I think there was maybe a dozen pieces of equipment that were really damaged there. Also, his crops, um, people probably familiar with the Red Hen Bakery oh, yes. uh, in Middlesex. Well, there's there's uh, potato bread. I don't know if you've ever had some of their mm-hmm. potato bread. Well, the potatoes from this uh, produce farmer uh, were used at Red Hen. So that entire crop of potatoes that he's... Uh, that he had gotten, um, you know, reserved and was made into potato bread. That that has been wiped out. So there's stories here and there. Uh, so that's sort of on the the, the part where we have uh, food for for us, uh, and then there's food for livestock. So uh, damage to corn, uh, damage to hay, um, uh, whether it's hay for horses, whether it's hay for cows or goats or sheep. And then the corn crop, um, there's still a little bit of, um, we're not quite sure where the corn crop is going to head. There could be some of it that gets back in place uh, and has time to mature by fall. Uh, but there's certainly going to be damage. On Friday, uh, and, and this is the part that's really important to farmers if they have not done so, uh, it's important that they report their losses to the Farm Services Agency through the United States Department of Agriculture. Um, you need to report your losses because we're calculating all that data, and that data will be shipped off to Washington, and Washington will make a, a determination whether we're going to have a, just a agriculture uh, declaration for damage. And the Secretary of Agriculture down there is evaluating that. The governor has written to him. So that data is really uh, quite important to him. We think uh, as of Friday, we had about 7,000 acres in Vermont that was um, – in, you know, uh, impacted by this by this event, and that's just very preliminary figures. It's going to be um, much larger over time, but that was only a three or four days worth of data. As you know, farmers are probably pretty busy trying to take care of what they need to take care of just to get from day to day, and they haven't had time to get to their computers or pick up the phone and call into FSA. So over time, we expect that to get a lot larger. And, and so can I ask you, you were talking about replanting. The, the, what I've been reading about the mud, particularly in homes in uh, in Barry, um, it's it's not the best of soil. It's it's yeah. contaminated. How do they how do they make sure that the soil is okay to replant? Is are there tests or uh, this is obviously I know, don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but how how no, do they do you're that? He- yeah, you're headed in the right direction. Yes, uh, there are tests and. Um, if folks want to learn more about this, uh, particularly those uh, in agriculture, we are having a special session today uh, beginning at noon online. So if people wanted to go to probably the best thing, if they're on Facebook or if they want to go to our webpage, uh, the Vermont Agency of Agriculture webpage, at noontime, the agency and UVM extension, uh, we're going to be hosting a question and answer session today about this topic. 
So it will focus on uh, what to do with flooded produce, what to do with corn, pasture, and other forage crops. And you can get the you know the most up to date uh, guidelines from our experts at the agency, also with UVM Extension. And you can just sign up and join online. If you can't make it today at noon, uh, it will be recorded Great. and people can listen to it. But there are tests. So UVM is going to test soil uh, to make sure there's, you know, it's, it's okay. There's no contaminants. So that is, that is to answer your question, Great. UVM Extension, it's going to be doing that soil testing just to make sure things are safe and then you can replant. That's right. I heard Lee Cattell talking about that on my on my ride in this morning. I went, oh, how great. Uh, they'll be able to answer questions. I wasn't sure if that was something out of out of your shop, but obviously it is. And that's that's just so important because they were already hit with this. I think they're calling it a hard freeze in May, uh, which surprised everybody. Right. Yeah, that was in the middle of May. And, and we think. Uh, we think we had about $10 million just alone in damages uh, to that event, and that impacted uh, some of the blueberry crop, uh, major damage to the apple blossoms, oh. and also our vineyards where the grapes, uh, the, the vines are really tender at that time. So they were many of these same, uh, same farmers were dealing with that, and then oh. they've got this on top of that. So it's been a, a really challenging time for them. I would encourage all folks to go to, we've, we've put up a resource page uh, where it can answer a number of questions, whether it's about the, uh, about the soil, about the plants, what to do, about programs. Uh, another one that's really significant that we're dealing with is just the debris alone and trying to get the debris off the land right. so it can be used for agriculture again. Uh, so much silt, uh, so much, uh, you know, wood, trees, uh, you know, tires, all kinds of things, uh, plastic, all of it coming down um, and landing on the on the soil. So we've got to figure out how to uh, clean that up uh, and and get it back into agriculture production uh, if we can. And I, I didn't hear much about animals like uh, chickens and and uh, I'm assuming like horses and cows that maybe they stood a better chance. But uh, um, smaller animals, how did they fare? Uh, for the most part, we've we've had some encouraging news that there was not a significant loss to that. Now there should there may have been some losses, uh, but uh, I think with this particular storm, there was there was significant warning. As you uh-huh. if you recall, you know we started getting nervous about that Friday before and Saturday and Sunday, right? And and farmers are did their best to move anything they could to to higher ground at that time. Uh, so I don't think there was. I have not heard of any significant losses good. of livestock, which is, which is really good. I mean, that's uh, you know these 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 events are really challenging with you know just the volume of water that was coming at the time. But, but for the most part, we have not heard of any significant yeah, losses. Yeah, I was hoping that was the case because I didn't hear anything. And um, Sue Mitner and Mary Moulton were just on, and they were talking about veterinarians up at the up at the odd um taking care of people's animals and stuff because they don't know um hard to tell them what to do so um i'm glad to hear that i also read and i'm not sure i understood this correctly but our dairy industry it said saved the majority of milk supply during the storm was that is that accurate uh, that's accurate and that's a that was a really uh challenging and complicated uh system so so um we know that cows need to be milked uh, once or at least twice a day. So, and then after they're milked, it goes into something called the bulk tank, which is a cooling uh, tank where the storage is. 
but um, there's not enough storage. Uh, there may be for one or two days uh, for storage. And when the transportation sit down, uh, broke down, and you'll remember this from your days as transportation secretary, how complicated our transportation system huh. can, can be. Um, so many roads, um, and most of our farms are not on the main roads, so they are on the back roads. So we had back roads wash out, uh, impassable. And then we had some roads, uh, for example, uh, in central Vermont, uh, Route 2 was really compromised mm-hmm. between uh, Montpelier and the cheese plant in Cabot. Ah. Uh, so, th- so that was closed. And then if, if trucks were coming down uh, from the farms and delivering to the plant, uh, say, from the Hardwick region, Hardwick was really impacted. Um, you know, you get up into Westfield and Troy, and those places were really impacted as well. So there was a lot of uh, creativity of trying to find a way to get uh, from the farm uh, to the plant. Now, there was a little bit of, uh, of, of milk that had to be dumped. And, of course, that is the worst day in any farmer's life when they have to dump <laughs> some milk because that is, you know, that's that's the money. That's yeah, right. That's money. So hard. You work so hard for that to milk the cow and make, and make, make milk. And so there was a little bit of dumping. But uh, our team transportation team, uh, we had inspectors that actually were riding around in their cars trying to find ways for trucks uh, to make their way to the plant. It, granted, it may have taken them a little extra time, probably a lot extra time, uh, but that creativity from our inspectors, also the transportation network, all the milk truck drivers, um, you know, they put their heart and soul into it. Uh, to make sure that they, that milk uh, could make it way, its way to the plant. Hey, and, and the so- other issue is a lot of employees, a lot of employees had a challenging time getting to the plant right. as well. So it's, uh, all in all, I think we survived that, uh, but it wasn't without a lot of uh, creativity and a lot of hard work from That's a lot great. of people to make it happen. And so I guess, um, I guess I just, I feel so bad for these folks. What kind of help is available? I know you said they had to report losses to the feds, but are there local associations and, and local entities that are kind of banding together to, to help folks? And because you were quoted at one point as saying that we might lose a few farms because of this. Yeah. And, um, there's a couple of ways that uh, people can help. One is, um, uh, there is a volunteer network that is out there. Um, so if you if you think it's, you can uh, uh, spend a little time maybe in the fields or picking up debris or, or helping a farmer, um, if you go to the um, uh, resource page with the uh, Vermont Emergency Management, there's mm-hmm. a there's a volunteer section, and there's also one on our our page as well, the Agency of Agriculture, where you can sign up. Hey, say I want to I want to volunteer and. And do some work, or you can maybe maybe you could reach out to a farmer. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe you, maybe you know them, because uh, there's been some of that uh, going on as well. Of of uh, you know, there could have been some uh, uh, some products that could be saved, so they're they're working on that, or just cleaning up debris. So there's there's that opportunity. Um, there's also an opportunity uh, to give donations. Uh, we have a resource page up, and there's a number of groups that are um, you know specifically uh, focused on agriculture. Uh, and there's some groups there that people could make a, a donation to, and then that money will get to um, get to our farmers. One thing before, um, you know, and we're trying to uh, be careful about expectations of this because 
some of the programs that could come from the federal government or the state government are not going to be quick. So right. some of these, uh, some of these um, uh, private groups that are raising money may be able to get some relief dollars to our farmers a little bit quicker than the state or federal programs will do. So that's a way to do it. And, of course, another way is, um, you know, purchasing products. Uh, maybe if, uh, you know, go to the farm stand, go to the farmer's market. Uh, maybe it's hopping on the computer and uh, ordering a product uh, from a from a farmer and it's uh, delivered in the mail to you. So those are some of the things that can be uh, very helpful. And this is going to be a long haul for a number of a number of our farmers. So maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe in a couple of weeks, if, if folks have time or the capacity to do something, it's just going to be uh, it's going to be a slow rebuild, long process, and there's going to be lots of opportunity for folks to help over time. Yeah, and this is, and I know Sue and Mary mentioned that this is not an overnight um, recovery. This is going to take a very long time with a lot of patience and a lot of persistence. I think that was Sue's word she kept using, and she's right. We just got to keep going. Um, now, I'm assuming, uh, I don't know what farmers do about the equipment because those are not small ticket items, and uh, there's, I mean, yeah. those things cost a fortune. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the real um, uh, struggle for the farmer I was talking about at yeah. Johnson. I mean, he has some very specialized gear, and um, he's you know he's a mechanic on the side, and he's managed to keep a lot of this uh, uh, this equipment going. Um, and so I would encourage um, you know the USDA is going to help with the uh, crops and the debris and helping with the pickup of that. Uh, but there's another element as you get farther into this, um, the small business uh, SBA yep. would, could be another pocket where I would encourage all those in agriculture, if they have sustained damage, either equipment or buildings, um, to, to look into the SBA programs that may be available out there. Granted, these are not grants and uh, right. there's a lot of size. These are not grants, but they could be. Uh, loans or favorable loans that may help people bridge the gap until we can get back on our feet. But SBA will also play a role in the recovery on the business side and the infrastructure side of our farm businesses. Yeah, I actually have them on my show a lot because I'm very impressed with what they do. So, uh, and so we have a, a call in from Mary from Richmond. Did I get that name correct? Yep, it's Mary from Richmond. Mary, you're on the air. Hi, thank you. I have a, a real, uh, a, an awful question for uh, Anson Tebbets, and uh, he's not going to like it, but that's just the way it is. It is flood-related, and um, I asked him and actually filed a police report the last time Maple Wind Farm lost 1,500 birds to flooding, and he said it within within less than three days, he had determined that it wasn't their fault. Well, this is the third time this flooding has happened. I'm so upset over it. I filed the police report last time. And if the agricultural department does not investigate this abuse and slaughter, senseless slaughter of birds, I just need Mayor, to know why are you treating the Maple Wind Farm people like the Bidens? I have to stay well, on the line Mary, to get your answer. I, I don't know that this is the, the place to do that. I seriously don't. Um, if you will leave your number with, um, uh, with our studio, I will get back to you, okay? This, uh, this, I don't want to put Ensign on the spot. I don't think he would know the answer to that anyway. So, um, thank you for calling, but leave your number, um, here and I will get back to you. Um, thank you. Ensign, um, 
there's always something. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, as I said in my, um, and I know, um, I know that 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 farm was working really hard to protect their their livestock. Right. I, you know, I don't have I don't have exact uh, exact report on what or may may not have happened there. I know in in past floods there were some issues. Um, keep in mind, this was a, a significant event, and you know, and I know most farmers uh, did all they could do to protect. Right. They could have lost some uh, birds in that, um, but. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of agriculture that's along the rivers, and it's just yeah. sometimes it's a challenge in a, a rapid moving event like this. But I'm sure that that will be investigated, um, and, and avenues that need to be. It's not in our it's not in our shop. It's not our authority to do that. But I'm sure uh, through the proper channels, uh, people will look into that. And when she says birds, and so that means chickens. Yeah, that could be chickens. It could be uh, they are a uh, poultry operation. Ah. It could be turkeys. Oh, it I see. Be, okay. Uh, it could be uh, it could be some young turkeys, and it could be some uh, poultry uh, chickens as well, because that's what they do up there in Richmond, and it's right along the river there. Oh, okay. You can tell what kind of farmer I am. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I like to go to the store, and they're all wrapped up, and they say what it is. Um, uh, that's yeah. that's my uh, experience. Um, but anyway, um, so your agency must be very busy taking phone calls. Um, trying to get people to the right direction, um, and and I think um, there's just I I just know this state. There's just got to be so many places for people to go for help. Um, and you know, you said about the the uh, um, equipment. Are there barns and things that were lost in this? Because I've seen. Yeah, some... there was. Um, um, I'm going to go back to my Johnson example. Um, you know. Um... You know, he had a lot of freezers. Uh, you know, it yep. could be damaged uh, to freezers that's, that holds product, uh, right? Uh, gear, um, you know, crops, etc. And I think it's um, there are opportunities uh, for those that were not um, impacted uh, to help. Either volunteering, uh, maybe it's just doing a chore once in a while. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's running an errand. Maybe you are a mechanic uh, that's. Uh, Maybe retired, and maybe you're good with uh, wrenches and tools, and you can help out and get that tractor moving again or that piece of gear moving mm. as well. So there's, or maybe you can hop on the tractor and move debris. So I think there's there's lots of opportunities, uh, um, uh, and there's lots of groups that are organizing those groups and, and volunteers to to help out at the farm as well. Okay. Do I do you think most farms must have generators? Do they not? Uh, yeah, that's improved over the last, uh, I would say, decade, 20 years because of the, you know, the, the, the power outages that right. impact us in the winter time. So a lot of, a lot of farms are equipped with generators now. This is one, um, you know, bright spot of this storm. We did not have uh, high winds. Right. And I think in, in, in the scope of things, uh, that was a blessing that we did not have a lot of power outages. We certainly did have some. Uh, but that was not uh, that was not a huge focus because in a lot of instances the power was either restored or never went out uh, in, in these places. Yeah, I heard a lot of people talking about that about how uh, if there's such a thing as lucky in this, but that there wasn't any high winds because that uh, that it just adds to the damage and uh, makes it even more dangerous. Uh, we were talking about safety. I got this thing in my head about keeping folks safe and the people that are i made the mistake of googling contaminated mud and i'm sorry i did um there is so much 
that one can uh, get from this mud that's out there. Um, people need to be really seriously safe with masks and gloves. And, of course, all those folks have barn boots. But um, is anybody reminding them of that to stay safe yeah. out there? Yeah, it's very important, uh, particularly on a, a sunny day like today where it's uh, it's dried out a little bit and there may be dust that's yep. flying around in, in those flooded areas. So folks should, you know, wear the mask. Uh, um, you know, we're used to there's plenty of masks around because we came out of the pandemic. So there's plenty of that. Gloves are very important as well. And, of course, um, boots and just, you know, covering yourself and protecting yourself as, as much as possible. Good. And on the on the food side, you know, there is guidance uh, related to, uh, you know, if a, if a, a farm has been flooded and, the, and there's some guidance, sometimes it's not cut and dry, but there's some, uh, some uh, guidance. And some of it is uh, FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has some guidance that follows. And I would encourage anyone that wants to learn more about that, we have a, a resource page up on it and, UVM extension has some, some, you know, some things about, you know, if, if, if produce comes in contact with uh, the water that you know, came down the river and so forth. But there's some things that you want to be careful about uh, so people don't get sick as well. Yeah, what about the animals? And so I, I presume they're not supposed to be, they should be drinking clean water as well. How are they getting that amount of water to the, um, to the animals? Is it being trucked in or something? Yeah, it, it, it depends on the, on the location. Uh, you know, a lot of farms have their own private water sources, oh. and their own wells. And um, so, you know, they're not, um, and most of them have been moved away from the, the riverbanks and so forth. But for the most part, there could be some, um, there could be some that are pastured, uh, pastured, but sometimes they have their own uh, water tanks, their own source there. But I'm sure farmers are doing their best to yeah. make sure that the, the water is clean yeah. and safe for their animals well, as well. Well, I'm sure they understand it much better than the, than us. Um, so they're very conscious of all of that. So when um, when do you think this is going to turn around for them? Because they need to, to make money and we need yeah. to buy their products. Yeah. A, a couple things uh, on the um, on the food for us. Um, there there's, is a lot of folks who are trying to figure out, um, do I have do I have an opportunity to get the land uh, back in shape uh, being, and have it tested, making sure it's safe, the soil? And do I have a, do I have time to uh, put some crops in? I think there will be some that will be, yeah, I can get uh, maybe I can get a crop in or two. Um, there are some uh, produce farmers that had um, uh, produce that was in the greenhouse that may not be impacted at all. You know, a lot of our tomatoes are grown in greenhouses, and they may have not been touched by the water, and they could be they could be fine. So there'll be a lot of evaluation, uh, but for the most part, uh, those that you know had those significant farms along either the Lamoyo, the Winooski, Otter Creek, uh, and then various other regions on the spine of the Green Mountains, some of those folks are going to be um, uh, seriously impacted. On the other side, uh, we're going to have uh, some issues, I think, with uh, maybe enough feed for animals, uh, an adequate supply, particularly if the, if the corn crop does not come back in some places, uh, that could be an issue. And the hay issue uh, for animals is going to be an issue as well because um, some farmers may have gotten one crop, one cutting in already before the event, maybe two. Uh, but they sometimes rely on three or four right. uh, for to feed the animals throughout the winter because our growing season is so short. 
So we've got uh, maybe hay fields. You couldn't get a tractor on a hay field now in a lot of spots because <laughs> it's just too wet. Right. Uh, and then the quality uh, diminishes every day that you can't get uh, that harvested. So it's too mature. It grows up to, you know, it, there may be a lot of it, but it's not the best quality. So I think over time we're going to have to work on a system of trying to make sure that uh, we find enough uh, uh, enough feed uh, for our animals, and some of that feed may come may have to come from outside our borders in Vermont. But it's a little too early. But I know that is a concern of the agency and working behind the scenes, knowing that uh, feed is going to be really important because feed is a critical right. part, particularly in the dairy sector, of being able to produce uh, produce milk. Right. So I didn't know that about hay. That there's a, if I understand you correctly, there's a time. To cut it, I mean, and if you wait too long, then it it loses its. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. So it you got there's. A, so, so think about your. I don't know what kind of lawn you have, but think about your lawn. You know, when uh, we have a, you know, we have a in the spring it really grows quite well, and sometimes we have to cut it twice a day, because, right? Uh, twice a week because it grows so fast. So it's it's much the same way with forage for our farmers. You know, they, they, they really want to focus on not necessarily on quantity. They want to focus on the quality of that. So yep. uh, if they can cut it uh, multiple times a year, the quality is much better. It doesn't mature. Uh, it doesn't seed out uh, depending on, on what the crop is. So, huh. and there's going to be, there's going to be acreage, acres and acres of land that's, that's going to be covered in silt that's just not going to be able to get a crop off it. At all. Very interesting. Thank you for that little bit of education. Um, that's that's really interesting, and it's got to be very dry, does it not? The the hay and this yeah, rain hasn't helped on, any. Depending on the you know the you know for example horses, uh, they do not like any moisture in their hay. It's not good for their system. So um, you know they need they need the hay that's uh, particularly baled, and we need in most cases you probably need two or three days of you know, significant dry weather with no moisture. So some hay, you don't want any moisture and you can't put any square bales into a barn because uh, you don't want it to combust. Uh, so that's that's an issue. Uh, and then there's, um, um, you know, the big uh, marshmallows. Yep. Um, that, that has moisture in it, so you can sometimes bale that a little bit quicker. Uh, I'm sure we lost a considerable amount of crop, maybe the first crop, some of those, uh, you've seen images of those maybe floating down the river yep, because right. they were swept away. So that crop has uh, been lost that may have been harvested already. Um, and then, um, and then they're not being able to get on the land right now to get that second or third crop. So I think there's going to be some issues, but we're working behind the scenes of trying to figure out uh, where we need to go on that, on that particular. I know a lot of farmers are trying to secure and trying to figure out if I'm not going to have enough, uh, uh, enough feed for the year. Uh, where am I? Where am I going to get it? And of course, the cost is always a huge issue with that. And I know this is speaking of farmers. If they're like some of us uh, who lived when we were working paycheck to paycheck, um, do they have a place to go um, to help them out financially while they're waiting for the crop to to come in and and uh, get some uh, money into the household? Yeah, and I think that's, that's an important point. I, I would encourage all farmers to talk with their lender, uh, whether it's uh, through the Farm Services Agency or a private lender. Um, uh, I would encourage all of, uh, you know, have some discussions about, uh, you know, if they're on a payment plan, you know, some some may be willing to suspend that uh, yeah. 
for a time until they get back on their feet uh, with that. So I, we're encouraging everyone to talk with their lender. Make sure you have a long discussion with your insurance company about uh, about going forward with, um, you know, what may be covered, what may not be covered, because a lot of farmers are not going to have crop insurance. So they're going to have to go in another way to figure out this whole financial aspect of it. Okay, and you'll help them with that, I'm assuming, people from your agency? Yeah, we're, we're trying to do our best to get um, accurate and timely information. Uh, it can be confusing. We're trying to make it simple. We're trying to get uh, – and, and farmers want an answer. You know, they don't want a, a maybe, and it For could sure. be – you know, they want they want solid answers. So I, I would encourage everyone to – uh, if they can hop on some of these uh, meetings for an hour or uh, they're going to be recorded, uh, we're going to have some uh, USDA through the NRCS is having meetings throughout the next few weeks. And we're just trying to get that information to our farmers so they can make solid decisions on their on their operations. That's great. Is NOFA something that um, would be involved yes. in helping? Yes, um, this is the uh, organic um, organization that right. certified they certified farmers. They have dairy operations, uh, and they also have uh, uh, fruits and vegetable operations. They have a, uh, a resource page up for their membership. They're also seeking donations. If folks feel that they would want to give to that organization, they have a resource page where people can make a donation to NOFA. Uh, they're based out of Richmond, but they serve the entire state of Vermont. This type of flood could really do damage to the label organic, couldn't it? Because I, th- I I understand it takes a long time for the soil to be uh, used uh, and be, be able to say your product is organic, correct? That, that would be um, yeah. So Nofa is the is the organization that will be monitoring that. They are the organization that certifies whether a farm meets the standards for right. organic. So I'm sure they're having those dis- discussions behind the scenes. Henson, um, what do you consider a small farm? Um, well, there's there are some definitions of that, and some of it could be on the on the tax side or it could uh. be on the on the regulatory side. If, for example, on um, on the dairy side, and this is only for the water quality re- reason. So, if you're talking about a dairy operation. Uh, a large farm is considered uh, you have 700 cows or more. Hmm. Uh, and then there's a pocket, um, 700 to I think it's 300. That's or 299. That's called a medium farm. And then below that, uh, we consider, um, you know, under hmm. under 200 cows, a small farm. That's only the dairy side. But there are um, various uh, shapes and sizes yeah. of, of farms and somewhat has to do about, um, you know, how much money you, you, um, you take in. Mm. Um, so that's a really hard one. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to really, really, no, it's a, it's a really hard one to, to define. And, and then a large farm in Vermont on the dairy side may be a small farm compared to what you may find in, let's say, a, a California or in Arizona yeah. or in New Mexico. Interesting. Uh, but most of our farms uh, in Vermont are, are small, small. Um, are small and uh, family owned. I think yep. you know, ninety nine percent of them are family owned operations, and Which some is, of them have multiple family members involved, and and, uh, and some of them have a significant number of employees as well. That's great. I I was just thinking because um, I've tried to lift some of this mud the other day to help a friend out, and 
I, I'm assuming the larger farms have all the big equipment and stuff, and, and I'm thinking that maybe I'm thinking of small is really small, but how they can get that that mud, if if that's the issue up in Lamoille and stuff, or if it's just water, but that mud is like cement, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. Just a, it's just heartbreaking, the amount of uh, damage, you know, and, and, you know, the places that were storing produce, uh, you know, it was, you know, I talk, go back to my earlier, we were talking about the potatoes that were added right. to the red hand to be made into bread. Uh, big, you know, a, a significant a cooler space, uh, warehouse, you know, all those potatoes for the year um, were headed to uh, Red Hand and they were all, all destroyed. And right behind it is, is the mud. But the progress that people are making uh, in a very short period of time is astonishing. That's great. Uh, with, with the volunteers, um, neighbors, um, their, you know, their, their, their employees, uh, it's just astonishing how much work is being done in a very short period of time. And people are, uh, rightfully so, I'm sure, exhausted. Um, I think some, um, mentally, they probably are just, um, you know, um, you know, need to focus on right. that. I know the governor focused on that with our mental health commissioner yesterday. Uh, people need to be really um, do a check-in on that to yep. make sure that they're okay with the stress of this. Uh, because exhaustion and anger are all part of this, uh, and we want to make sure we're, we're taking care of ourselves. Uh, and we're going to have good days, and, of course, we're going to have bad days. Uh, but I'm just astonished of how much um, how much is being done. Like up in my hometown of Cabot, we've got a we've got a farmer, and, you know, he was trying to get his road repaired so his milk truck could get up in there. Uh, but he continues to work on other roads right. uh, throughout uh, with his equipment. So he has a tractor that can do it. But he's spent hundreds of hours over the last week, week and a half, of just trying to get these roads, these really small back roads open so people can uh, get out. And some people have still, uh, you know, some people have not been able to get a, get out of their get out of their properties or their homes uh, because of these small roads that have been damaged. But all that work's being done behind the scenes. Well, that's always been my impression of the farming community, that they are a very tight-knit group and neighbor helping neighbor and um, and all of that stuff that you would hope to have in a, in a tight community um, because um, um, I just I just sense that, and I, it sounds like that's what it is. And creativity, the creativity of getting the work done uh, is just amazing what people like solving, problem solving. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, get, they're getting it done. And then there's a, a bank of people and the volunteers of, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, providing that important meal that people need yep. uh, during the lunch hour or during the evening or making sure that everyone is hydrated and they have enough water. Um, all that work is being done in this and just an impressive network of folks that are working on that aspect doing what they can they they can do to make the this to to get through all of this. Sometimes I just love the state to pieces because yeah. that's what we do when it's bad yeah. and uh, tropical storm Irene, the flood before that and these folks have just been through this they keep calling it hard freeze and that yeah. was totally unexpected, right? Um they were caught off guard. Oh yeah. No, we had we were that was you know that was you know, May, I think May is my favorite month. You know, everything's greening up. Uh, right. Birds are singing. We're eighties. Eighties, you know, and it just, it just, uh, and then all of a sudden it was, uh, you know, 25, 25 degrees, uh, overnight and, yep. and throughout the day. So, 
uh, certainly a setback, and of course this is a setback as well. But uh, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time, as they say, and uh, and uh, somehow, uh, hopefully, we can we can get through this. Well, we should talk. How how will this impact maple syrup? You just mentioned I, freezing, and I went, oh, yeah. I, I have not heard of. Um, I'm sure there are some um, some areas that probably had some roads that have been impacted as far as you know getting into the roads yeah. and woods. I have not heard of any sort of tree destruction on a big scale, but I'm sure there's going to be pockets here and there. But um, overall, I've not heard a lot from the sugar Good. makers outside of outside of you know you know roads and um, and there could be operations where. Uh, there could be some uh, pipeline down, et cetera, yeah, but right. I have not heard of a of huge impact. But I think we'll have – we should have plenty of maple syrup uh, out there, and, and over time uh, next year we'll get to, uh, uh, I guess, February, March, we'll be making right. maple syrup again. Yes, love it. Anyway, and so we have just a couple of minutes. Do you want to wrap it up with um, yeah. some advice for folks? And, sure. um, and um, thank you, by the way, if we don't have time at the end. Thank you for all you are doing. You're the best. And say hi to Pepper and to Billy. You know that. My love to them. And happy birthday as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's a big, a big birthday right in the middle of this. Yes, it was. Um, a big 80. Awesome. Um, so just, I, I think, uh, uh, if you need, if folks need information uh, and they need it rapidly, I would encourage people to go to our social media channels at the Vermont Agency Agriculture and Food and Markets. Go to our web page, where it has a resource page where it talks about everything from crops to volunteering uh, to dairy to meat to poultry. All of that is there. If you have concerns, uh, there's also a web address in there. If you've got an issue that needs to be dealt with, um, communication is going to be critical um, through this entire process to make sure people have the accurate, timely information uh, so as things roll out, uh, we hope we can get them uh, rebuilt and back on track, and what they're doing is providing food for us in the end, which is so valuable. Right. We've learned that lesson so much over the last few years. Our farmers produce a high-quality food for us, which in this crisis is so important to us as well. So appreciate what everyone's doing, and if you're not a farmer and you can help in any way, uh, we're grateful for that as well. That's great. Ensign Tevitz, thank you very much for all that you do. Remember the expression, farm to plate. And uh, by local, uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Uh, see you on Tuesday.